Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Good. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here today. It's good to see all your faces. Uh, um, and I want to say hello to all of our online guests and our online family. As you know, livingmessiah.com is the website. You, you can find a donate button there. We thank you for all who support us. Uh, we do thank you very much. And a thumbs up is always wonderful, too. So um, before we get started, the, the usual type thing, uh, uh, pre-announcements, pre-review. Um, there's two mics out there. Just raise your hand. Uh, the mic will find its way to you. We just ask, make sure you, when you're speaking, speak real close to the mic so we, we can all hear and those online as well. And my other request is let's, uh, let's stay on subject and not get too far uh, to the right or to the left so we can all learn together. And that's the whole purpose of us coming, to, coming here is to do that. So um, with that, let me open in prayer, okay? Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, you and your words are true. Father, we thank you that you have given this place for us to come together, to look into your words, to grow closer to one another, to you and, uh, and our Messiah, your son, Father. Father, be with us, Father, so we can do that, understand your ways more so we can be empowered by your spirit to walk it out before before ourselves, before you, and all mankind. Father, again, we thank you for your continual love and mercy that you show up, not only upon us, but upon the whole world. It's, it's amazing, your patience that you have. Thank you. Amen. All right, as far as like review, like last week, we talked about, uh, or I, I brought forth the prophet Micah, uh, we spoke a little bit about Yeshua's words and how that related and how you can clearly see how it's related in uh, the book of Acts, especially with this particular chapter and the things that was going on. So that's what we discussed last week. Um, so in some sense, we, we, read, uh, we read what it was um, was all relative and still is today it was relative to them them back then and it is for us today as well and and still is right now and that would be maybe we could word it or I could word it this way uh, we need to operate in the words of Elohim in the words of God and not in the doctrines and theologies or the traditions of men um, and it is ultimately the word of God, the word of Elohim that divides. We spoke about that as well, and that's going to continue too. I don't, it just, to me, it's like, wow, it's a principle that's always there. It was in the beginning, and it will continue to be all the way through. 
So, and last, uh, the last couple of weeks I mentioned to you in Luke and in uh, Luke 12 and what was the other, uh, Matthew 10, where this idea, you know, Yahshua himself, he didn't come to bring peace and tranquility to everybody. And now he brought division, and that division comes from the words of God. What he did, and again, this is what we see in Scripture. Do these things, not those things. Do these things, and ultimately that will divide you out, and that brings division. And that, in some sense, is that division is good. So, as we continue with what's going on with Paul, we... I'm just, uh, we spoke a lot about uh, that, but I'm gonna, we're just going to continue in, and hopefully the story will come back to you uh, of where we're at in Acts. Um, and it was <laughs> a brother came up to me, boy, I don't know, maybe I understand. We're kind of going slow through here, <laughs> and we are, because there's a lot of information, and at least that's what I see. And, um, and I think that's very, very important. So um, hopefully where we're at in Acts, as we are going, you'll recall where we're at, okay? In the storyline. Okay, so Acts 17.10. And the, and the brothers immediately sent uh, Shaul or Paul and Silas away by night to um, Beoria. Uh, who, having come, went into the congregation of the Udim, of the Jews. Now these were m more noble than those in uh, uh, Thessaloniki, or in Thessalonia, who received the word with great eagerness and searching the scriptures daily, if these words were so. Then many of them tru truly believed, they truly, Oh, they truly trusted these words that were, the, that were this teaching coming to them from Paul. And also not a few of Greeks, uh, decent women as well as men. And it, that's a strange wording, but I think basically what it's saying, there was a lot of Greeks. And I, again, this idea of Greeks here, where is he? He's at, the, he's at a congregation of the Eudene. He's at a synagogue. There are believing um, uh, those of the nations are believing and had believed in uh, the God of Israel before Paul showed up. So they, at least that's what I'm understanding here, along with women and men. So this word's going out. So um, just as a quick reminder where we're at in this story, um, going back, I had mentioned last week, it, it looks like Jason could be, uh, uh, Jason, because that's the house they were in, that mob was coming after them, right? It looks like Jason could be trusted. Jason held the commandments of Elohim higher than the commandments of men. I think that's something very clear that we can see in the text. He only knew Paul for a short time versus his synagogue brethren. He would have known them much longer, Right? He went with what? He went with the crowd. No, he didn't. He didn't go with the crowd. He didn't go with the, the narrative of the day, so to speak, or with the denomination. What did he do? He went with God's ways, Elohim's ways, and, and, and did not let the pressures of those others who were clearly in the wrong, if you go by the word of God. They were clearly in the wrong. 
these other believers in the God of Israel. Again, it wasn't about the world here. So, and again, we, uh, you know, they formed this mob, and that's what happened with Paul, with Jason. So whether he had, um, and I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I'm going to say it again. And this is about Jason. This is my thought on it. Whether he completely uh, believed that uh, Paul's message was or not, I believe it was ultimately you can put that beside, beside the point. The purpose was, uh, but I, what, I was, what I was proposing that it was the scriptures that were set forth before even he heard this message from Paul the way, is why he behaved the way he did. And I think that's a very, to me, that's very powerful. Because if we don't look at it that way, it's so easily like, okay, it was those Jews and we're separate now all of a sudden. And that's not what was going on. It was a, believers in the God of Israel. So if I really beat that horse to death, I'm sorry, but I think it's very, very important. So before that, he, he knew how to behave. He knew the manner which he got from the scriptures from going to synagogue and what the God of Israel expected of him, and he didn't go along with all his religious brothers and sisters. Okay? If I can say it this way. So, ultimately, with Jason's help, Paul was in another city. That's where we're at now, right? Another city and another synagogue, okay? I've got to point out, still no church yet. There's still not a church in sight yet. We're in chapter 17 and not a sight of the church as we would know it. That's huge, guys, de depending on where you're coming from. And if any of my Christian brothers and sisters are, hear that, look at that very closely because that dramatically will change your paradigm on how you view scriptures, uh, the scriptures and especially acts of what's going on here. So, Remember, it was, at this time, it was all the Hebrew scriptures here in Acts that was the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? Think of it that way. This was the way, the truth, and the life for those who were faithful or had hope in the Elohim of Israel, the God of Israel. Now, with Messiah, is now part of that now. And if you read real close and really, hopefully as we're going through that, I presented this in the correct way. Paul, so no, Paul sees, or he saw no change in the Torah or the instructions of Moses. That the Torah should no longer apply to you. That's not here. Paul is going forward with the commandments of Moses, with the Torah, with those instructions. He's going forward with the way, the truth, and the life, and Messiah just happens to fit into that whole dichotomy. So...
And if you look at that, then that should not change for anyone who's following Christ. Jesus followed Moses. Paul followed Moses. So if you follow Messiah, then you need to follow Moses too. So now we're with the Bereans. And I think this is interesting because you've heard, oh, be a Berean. I'm sure if you were in Christianity, any, you've always heard about the Bereans. Okay? And they're noted for something that I think is very, very important. The Bereans seem to be those of the faith that the scriptures come first and traditions and theology secondary. That's what I'd like to present to you uh, here. What does it say? Paul comes to them with this message from Jerusalem about the Messiah, whatever that might have been, uh, his encounter with Messiah on the road, okay? So he's presenting this to the congregation, to the synagogue here in Beoria. Um, uh, Beoria, okay? So the, these Bereans, these, it says that they were a little bit more noble, and that's kind of interesting in the phrase. I think it was only mentioned twice in the New Testament, this word for noble, or very few times. But anyhow, besides that, they searched the Scriptures daily if these words were so. Whatever Paul's talking about, whatever prophet's blowing in this week to the church, to the community, or whatever, the Bereans like, oh, that's nice, brother, sister. Let me break out the Scriptures and see if that is really, does that really work? And it's not about just finding a verse, one or two here, okay? They searched the scriptures to see if it was true. And <laughs> the added thing here, there was no New Testament, so what were they searching? Ultimately, they were searching the Tanakh, the writings, the Torah and the writings, so they searched the scriptures daily to see if these words are true. Then you can conclude they did not search through their theologies and their traditions and their creeds to see if it matched up what Paul was talking about. Then it goes on various translations. I'll read this, and I kind of brought them all together with key words. And when they heard gladly from the word every day, so Paul was using the word, okay, every day, they were uh, distinguishing from, uh, uh, oh, sorry, um, discussing from the scriptures whether these were so. Could this be so? Break out, let's break out our Bibles, guys. Let's break out the scrolls and go through. And it, another translation, with all readiness, making a review and examining, analyzing to see if these things might be so. Does it fit the scriptures? Does it fit? Does it flow? I'll, let me read you Deuteronomy 
29.29. The secret matters belong to Yahuwah, our God, our Elohim. But what is revealed belongs to us and our children forever. That's us or anyone, all right? To do all the words of this Torah, all the words of this commandment. And I think that would be a great way to understand what the Bereans were doing. They're searching these scriptures. Does this go against the, the commandments of the Most High? Does it complement it? Is it true? And I got to tell you, we need to be like that. Okay? Um, even I will go so far is say, we need to understand our Messiah from the Tanakh. Not just, again, not just a couple little verses. Woo! We need to understand him fully all the way through the Tanakh. Because if we don't, then we miss that whole idea of the one like Moses that was said that would come, okay? So with the Bereans, uh, Bereans then uh, maybe I could uh, con uh, put forth here uh, in this idea, one is held higher than the other in that being the scriptures versus traditions or things that, you know. And that's not to say traditions are wrong or inherently evil. Or even theologies. Well, some of those can be dangerous. But but I, I was thinking, we saw a drastic difference. Because Paul's coming from, uh, from the... Philippia, right? That city. They formed the mob right away. Got to get rid of this guy. And it was about traditions and their theologies and what, what maybe the sages had set down. That was how they were worshiping the God of Israel. So Paul come in and it's like, wow, we got to get rid of this guy because he's just going against this tradition that we have and that's no, no. So maybe that's what I see here, or I'd like you to maybe see what I'm seeing. I'm not going to force you, but is there a comparison here with the Bereans versus where we just came from? Because there was the, the Philippians, uh, or that synagogue in Philippia, that, you know, that seemed to be, let's get, it, get them out of town. Here, they're like completely different. Well, let's wait a minute. Okay, yeah, I, uh, that's odd. Okay, but let's check it out. Uh, Polly, you had your hand up. If um, someone could take her the mic. One of the things I think that's different is that he is here in a Greek culture with Greek t traditions. So looking at some of this, in, with the exception of the Spartans, Greeks did not allow women in public places to have pub part of public 
uh, communication or teachings. This is something that originated in, with philosophers such as Aristotle, Socrates, Plato. What they defined women's role was as at home with children, doing your thing, isolated at home. Individual wives did not even have fellowship with other individual wives. The women that were in public places were women that were of hire for men's pleasure. They could sometimes be a part of these discussions that were held in a public place. So I find it interesting in verse 12 where it's making a statement that decent women as well as men are learning, studying, present, it seems to be, at what is being taught while they're here. I also, in, in part of this little, little segment that we have here in, in verse 12, much of the church's doctrine, tradition, and theology concerning women did not originate in the church. It, they adopted what originated with these philosophers that I mentioned in Greek, and it was brought into the church from these Greek philosophers. So I think these women and this situation is very different. They're going against tradition. They're standing up against the flow of what is happening around them, at least here in Greece, Greece with mm -hmm. the Grecians. No, I, I, I can see that that, that is, it could be a very a possibility behind um, that whole idea with uh, traditions um, and things that were uh, here present um, in the synagogues outside of the land because we know the synagogues outside of the land of Israel, the dynamics were much different and they were more lenient in a lot of different aspects, but they are still run by the Pharisees or, or as far as I could uh, in my little research, still pharisaic uh, thought processes, and so yes, I, I'm sure the dynamics were 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 different than what was in Jerusalem, being the 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 so to speak, the cornerstone coming out of the land. Thank you, Polly. But. What I, in the simplest form, I guess, what I was looking at is just these Bereans were holding Scripture. They handled the Word of God differently. I'm sure they, they were part of the synagogue system, like I said. All right, so they had traditions. They had the traditions of the elders, okay, and the various things that they practiced. But they set that aside, at least in my own looking at, they set that under the commandments of the Most High. Not that they still didn't have their traditions and uh, their thought processes they had or whatever, but the big difference is they held the scripture up there. Was The, the scripture became the dictator on how how that would be rather than because i got to tell you 
the other way around, if you have your own personal theologies and creeds and doctrines, and that's how you go to, to Scripture, I think there's big folly in that. And ultimately, I think for the most part, um, I'm speaking to, let's say, my side of the family of Christianity. For the most part, now in this walk, Christian theology, uh, what do you call it, decrees and traditions, that's the gauge on whether someone's a believer or not. Now, it might not seem that way, but fundamentally, it's those theologies that run someone's faith. And I could just pick out a few, I'll pick out one real quick. And I'm not here to debate this one bit, but the Trinity. Okay? Everyone comes from, or it said, oh, the Trinity. So a lot of people, well, if it doesn't match up to Trinity, through the Trinity, then maybe it doesn't work. Well, I'm saying that's faulty from the get-go because you've placed your own personal idea into Scripture to filter Scripture itself. I think it should be the other way around. I think Scripture should dictate how you think. And maybe, maybe not. Doesn't matter. Put it off to the side. You already know how to behave, so behave that way. But most of the time what happens is because you have your predetermined theology, it seems somehow that your behavior is nothing like <laughs> what Scripture promotes you to be because all of a sudden you've got an argument, you hate your brother, can't be around him. You see how easily through a theology you end up breaking all the commandments because your lens is through a theology that's not really, you can't really soundly base that. I'm sorry. And if you do, make sure you bring along all the other things that are in, in the scriptures on how to behave. So maybe that was a poor example, but that is very important uh, that I see it's, traditions and these theologies, whatever they may be, we have to look at Scripture and what the words mean, the culture they come from. What are they saying, not what we want to project backwards into the text so we can be comfortable where we stand, you know? Um, that, that, to me, that's something fundamentally that I'm personally looking at on my walk with the Messiah. And, man, I'm coming across a lot of things that I'm like, man, that's kind of faulty thinking now that I'm really looking at Scripture more and more. And it's like, man, i got to really put that off to the side because it's not going to profit me that much. Anyhow, this whole idea then that the Bereans, they held... To me, at least I'm going to put forth that they held the scriptures in high regard. And that's not to say the other, congreg uh, other synagogues didn't, but traditions and theologies can interfere with your faith, your basic fundamental faith on how you trust and what you do. 
And I'm not telling you have a, I don't, yeah, I do have an answer to that. It's in the scriptures first. Okay, not in a theological book of some sort. Those are nice. I think you'd be surprised some of the people I listen to and the insights they have, and they don't even know it because they take the time to think through things. Truth is truth. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, that's in my Bible. Clearly, that's in my Bible. And sometimes it's coming from a secular person, but he's, that person would spend the time to think through things and like his conclusion, uh, it's an, I don't want to get off on my, told you no rabbit trails and so speak, and I'm doing it, so forgive me. So the word of Elohim above tradition, the traditions of men. One's theology should not dictate your faith, okay? The scripture set, uh, sets one's faith, and ultimately that is obedience to the Torah as we're learning to walk this out here. And walking out those instructions are far above any theology, especially the one that says, well, if they've been done away with, that makes no sense. Makes complete no sense. So how shall we live then, right? Paul keeps asking that. What do you do with that? Oh, you just love one another. Well, if you haven't defined what love is, then how do you do that? Because we see the world can love each other really well. And we all know inside it's like, "Ah, there's something wrong. Even the secular people know, "Ah, there's something wrong with this love going around. There's something. Don't know the answer, but I just know. Anyhow, going down that rabbit trail. Got to stay away from that, right? So it's that obedience to these commandments that our God gave us. So what I wanted to do is interesting, and I fun, or at least I believe it will be really interesting. What are those things then, okay? Uh, what's the importance in the, in the words of God? Because there's so many things I... I don't know how to do that, but there's so many things that are very clear on how we can do that. So Paul here, okay, he just come from Philippia, if I'm understanding the storyline right, and he writes a letter back to the Philippians, which is, you know, or back to, uh, sorry, uh, Thessalonia, to the Thessalonians, right? So he writes a letter. In this letter, it's interesting, it's not condemning, per se. Because he knows there's others there that he did speak to. So what I want to do is look at uh, Thessalonians. Because I think it's interesting because it actually fits right into what's going on here. Because he's now in Beoria, uh, you know, with the Bereans. And... He got a, a completely different um, what would you call it a reaction to what he uh, what he had again, going back, the idea of the word of Elohim is constantly dividing. it was going on then just as much as it will go on now so 
We must understand that difference between Elohim's ways that's dividing us out and not the ways of men. Don't let the ways of men divide you up. Don't let the theologies of men divide because that's not going to produce anything. It should be his words that divide you out from other things. Okay? I think there's a big danger in it. Messiah dealt with this all the time. If I real quickly bring us and see that it's nothing new. John 10 says this, if you did not do the, uh, if I do not do the works of my father, don't believe me. That's pretty crazy. That's from Jesus' mouth. Did he go around and say, just believe? No. Look what I'm doing. Look at my actions, right? And, or, but, if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the work so that you know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. He said, look what I'm doing. Is there any sin in what I'm doing? Okay, your theologies don't fit. Sorry, but is it the word of God? Your traditions of men. Yeah, I might be trampling those a little bit, but is it a sin? What does the word of God say? Trust that. And that's probably pretty difficult. It's difficult for, I, I see maybe, I see it's an obstacle for Christianity today in, in some ways. But it's interesting, if you look at John 10, okay, in the light of theology and doctrines and creeds and what have you, Messiah was saying, okay, put those off to the side. Just, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I, what am I asking you to do? So if you can put those aside, you see, clearly see, um, see the difference. You see that division, and the word division is used here in John 10 as well, because there was a division amongst the people, because they were saying, well, he speaks good, but I don't know about the truth. He, but he doesn't like the Christmas tree. He doesn't do that. But he speaks good. He does right things. So I don't know. Is he saved? You know, if you can start looking at it in that aspect. So it's clearly between the word of God and theologies and in Elohim's word that he set down. And then later on, I thought that was right after 38, 39. Therefore, they were seeking again to seize him, but he went forth out of their hands. So Maybe the one little added thing to that, if we stick to the words of God in truth, it's like maybe we could just slip away most of the time and still, you know, not compromise. But in John 10, right before that, this whole idea of what he just said here, you'll find speech about the shepherd's voice, the door the door that you walk through, who you follow, and to do the same. 10.19 said, says this, and again, there came a division among the Udine because of these words. 
because of the things he was saying. They didn't quite agree. So I don't want to go on that too much longer, but I want to get to this. Back to, I know I'm kind of all over the place a little bit. Paul, he encourages. Here's that letter, and I want to start to begin reading it because it sets the time where Paul is, what he just went through. It's this comparison of, I went to my brothers in this synagogue and a mob came out to me and Jason, uh, this other guy who doesn't know me for only three weeks, you know, he ended up getting me out of the country, so to speak, on a boat. And then I come to uh, these Bereans, this synagogue, and complete change because they want to talk about the word of God. Okay. Anyhow, Paul, he's not going to condemn necessarily them because he knows there's others that need uplifted. Saul, or Paul, and Silas and Timothy to the assembly of the Thessalonians in Elohim, not those that formed the mob, but those he knows that did trust that word. In the Father and the Master of Yeshua Messiah, favor to you and peace from Elohim our Father and the Master of Yeshua Messiah. We give thanks to Elohim always uh, for you, for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. I'm sure he, he had a mob chase him out of town, but man, there were some good people there. Mark, when we got run out of Mesa, we did meet some really good people. We got to keep them in prayer, even though we got run out, right? Remembering without ceasing your work of belief and the labor of love, and the adornance of the expectation of the hope in our Master, Yeshua Messiah, in the presence of our God, our Elohim, and Father. So there was those. He's, uh, he wrote this letter to encourage. So let it be an encouragement for us too. Knowing, brothers, beloved by Elohim, that you were chosen. <laughs> you were chosen. Okay? Because of the good news did not come to you in word only. <laughs> it was just in a bunch of fancy words. So you see the point that this idea that Messiah says, look at the deeds I'm doing. Look at what I do. But also in power, in the set-apart spirit, in, in, in the entire uh, confirmation, as you know, what kind of Messiah there is? No, what kind of men we were among you for your sake? Go back and look. Remember when we were there? I know it was hard. Some of us got a little angry, but remember we held it together. We were walking out what we all know we held it together. Because of the word, the power, the set-apart spirit. You know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Not for ours. Our words and our actions, I would say, Paul is conveying here, our word and our actions testify in part that we're from Elohim. We're from God. 
or this message can be taken in that sense. And you became imitators of us and of the Messiah, having received the word in much uh, pressure. It wasn't easy. Remember the big mob? I'm sure they're getting friction from their brothers in the synagogue themselves, from other faithful people, not the world, with joy of the set-apart spirit, so that you become an example to all who believe in uh, Macedonia and Acadia. For from you, the word of the master has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, okay, but also in every place your trust, your belief towards Elohim has gone out. Everywhere you go, if you hold that, you're like, oh. You're upholding his name, his character. Everywhere you go, remember that. So that it is unnecessary for us to say whatever. Basically, we don't need to preach to the choir too much here for you. For they themselves <laughs> for they themselves report what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to Elohim from idols to serve the living and true Elohim. That is very interesting. So what all more was gone in Thessalonian? Is this just to the Greek believer that was part of the congregation? Was there others that heard this message? I don't know, but we have an issue that was there. And Paul's excited because whoever they were, Jews of the synagogue or Jew or those of the nation who believed in the God of Israel or anybody else, It's amazing because he said, and how you turn from idols and serve the living true Elohim. And to wait for his son from the heavens, whom he raised from the dead, Yeshua, who is deliver, uh, delivering us from the wrath to come. We all know what kind of reception Paul got there, right? I've repeated it several times. Again, the word of Elohim and the good news, which is all one, divided. Some dropped their idols who believed in the God of Israel. For you yourselves know, brothers, remember, brothers, when I was with there, that our coming to you was not in vain. But having suffered before and having been mistreated in Philippia, Philippi, right? As you know, <laughs> we were bold in Elohim to speak to you the good news of Elohim in much struggle. For the appeal we make does not come from we're not delusional, like obviously he's saying people say that he was. Delusion, or from uncleanliness, because you can see we walk a cleanly life. We eat what is clean. 
nor from deceit. We have no alternative motive here except for what the words say. But as we have been approved by Elohim to be entrusted with the good news, so we speak. This is interesting. Not as pleasing to men. We didn't entertain all the theologies and doctrines to, you know, make it a little fluffy and tickle your ears. No, we just, that wasn't our, our premise. But Elohim who proves our hearts. Again, if you're saying Elohim proves your hearts, then you've got to look in the scriptures that prove what you're doing and justifies what you're doing and what you're saying. For we never came with a word of flattery. We didn't come to you say, look at us. We're from Jerusalem. Hi, Paul. You know, I grew up in this university in Paris, and, you know, I got three languages under my belt. I know the Torah inside and out. I know everything. So I'm, I'm here <laughs> to help you along. It didn't come like that. It came in humility of just what this text was. So Paul didn't come with flattery like I'm sure so many others do. It's a human nature problem, as you know. Nor with a cloak or greed. We didn't come to you asking money either. To send back to Jerusalem, send back to the temple or whatever it might be, wherever that money, or, you know. No, we didn't do that. Elohim is our witness. That's a powerful word or statement. Nor were we looking for praise from men. We wasn't looking to make sure we got the right doctor and we sensitive to whatever traditions of the elders might be. We not from you nor from others. Though we could have been a burden to you, but we didn't as emissaries of the Messiah. But we were gentle in your midst, like a nursing mother warmly loving her children. I don't know if, uh, I think I'm going to have to stop here. But two things I want to point out. Like a nursing mother warmly loves her children. That's an interesting phrase, and it brought back to me this idea. You remember there was somebody else said somewhat the same thing? It was Moses. Because am I a nursing, or am I a, a mother to these children? You know? I just, that came to my mind, and I had to go back, and I was looking at this. But ultimately... Real quick, and next week we'll continue on, but uh, down in 12. The whole thing Paul is encouraging is here, or at least one of the major things, is that you would walk worthy of Elohim that you can find in the Scriptures, who's calling you into his reign and his weightiness, his esteem, his glory, his weightiness of what it is. To walk after him. But as it is truly the word of Elohim, which also works in you who believes. So if you're working at it, it works in you. 
for you brothers become imitators of the assemblies of Elohim which are in Judah in Messiah there's a breakdown there the assemblies who are are in Judea or in Judah who hold on to Yeshua the Messiah, that would be Peter in that group, you know, because you also suffer the same treatment from your own countrymen as they also from the Udine. Meaning, all right, I know it's rough, but don't play victim here because there's others going through all the same struggles as you are back home in Jerusalem. So be strong. And they were, they're hostile to them just as much as they might be to you as well. Here's the core thing. This is why it's about traditions here. What was going on with Paul, his message. Because he took it from Jerusalem, this whole idea that those who are not Jews, those who are of the nation could join the nation of Israel. 16 is, a, to me, a clear note to one of the major offenses Paul had to tradition and the, command, uh, the commandments of men. Because Paul's saying, you know, them too in Jerusalem, and now here too in these synagogues where you're at, I understand but they're forbidding us to speak to the, those of the nations that they might also have life and be saved. So as to fill up their sin, uh, sins, uh, so, up, so as to fill up their sins away. But the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. That's one of the major reasons that this was going on. So let me, uh, real quick, before I close, is there any comments or hopefully it wasn't too scattered and I know I'm kind of going slow, but there's so much behind what is going on here. And that's why I wanted to bring in Thessalonians, the first Thessalonians, the letter kind of talks about some of the background that you don't see that was maybe in Acts. Um, Polly. You're right about what's going on here. And I think maybe for next week, you're going to be talking about that he was in um, uh, Athens talking to the Epicureans and the Stoics. Yes. And so that's very, he, he, it's like he's going right into the heart now of Hellenism, of Greek philosophers, because this is the philosophy that was spreading. And we have a synagogue here in the midst of all of this philosophy that is being embedded into the hearts and minds of people and he's coming in against the flow with a message that is completely against what these stoics who are a part of those that women are just going to be a distraction from my virtues because they saw that high moral standards is really all you needed and so he's coming against some of these embedded thoughts i guess of hellenism and he's going right into the heart of athens yeah is where you're going next no it's going to be interesting because uh, I, I i at least my hope is that we take this 
And thank you, Polly. Take this idea that it's the word of God, not these theologies, not coming from the secular world. We have to stick with what he says and what his division is for us. Because we can easily get stuck with our denominational ideas or this philosophy from over here. Some of them may be true or may not be or half-truths or whatever. But that's where it's his words have to be the very center of us and what we do. Um, I'll take one more and then I'll close in prayer here. Okay. Uh, I forgot I had this with me. It was uh, a little bit late, but I got this out of the daily bread. And for people who have trouble with uh, the Trinity, I did for a while. Uh, they, in uh, Ireland, they have this little green uh, three-leaf, uh, uh, what's it at? I forget what they call Shamrock. Okay, and they say it's a simple way to explain the Trinity, the historic Christian belief that God is one essence, eternally exists in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that, that kind of helped me, and I thought I'd throw it in there anyhow. Mm. Oh, thank you. So um, let's close in prayer. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your faithfulness to them, uh, your love and your kindness and your patience that you have with us. Father, uh, you know... I guess in some odd way, Father, it's comforting to know when we look outside and we things that are going downhill, it just, it just confirms what you said all along and that we see that you're quite aware of it. And all the more to trust in you and your ways, Father, and the redemption we find in your Son and these instructions for our lives as what is righteousness and what's not father thank you again thank you for revealing yourself to all of us so we can become in the image that you desire us to be and we as well amen shabbat shalom everyone